Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Good morning, church. Truly, we are blessed people, are we not? Amen. You know, I am always, always amazed how God puts things together. I had no idea what they would sing this morning. It goes perfectly with the word God has given me for you today. I just stand amazed. It's, it's, it's awesome, is it not? God, God keeps everything as one. It's great. Amen? Hallelujah. Go with me yet in prayer as we start. Father, we're here again to hear from you. Every word you have to say is precious. We long for it. Oh God, we want to taste it. We want to take it into our being and make it our own. Today, Lord, bring that forth, I ask you. As we receive it from you, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, each of us has a past. Profound, didn't it? Yeah. Everybody has a past. <clears throat> and I find that is interesting that uh, as we go through our childhood and uh, teenage years and our adulthood and we go on with the Lord, that um, things happen to us. Perhaps you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Dad was never there. He's working all the time. Maybe mom was very strict and you didn't like that very much. Or perhaps um, <clears throat> you lived in a bad neighborhood and you went to school where there were bullies that wanted to beat you up all the time. You may even got to the point where you prayed, God, why did you make me like this? Why couldn't I have been this or that? Why do I have this lousy education I have? Why is it that, that no one seems to be concerned about me? Yeah, we've all probably been there. And so what happens is that we end up being very critical of people. We don't find anything good to say about them. We end up being very caustic. Whenever someone talks to us, we can't talk to them in a very low, simple tone. We're very caustic about it. And it's, we oftentimes get to the place that we're very unforgiving of others. Well, turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. This will be the basis upon what I'm speaking today. <clears throat> Paul's writing to us, and he says this. He's describing himself, but at the same time, he's speaking to us, the church. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, 
and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, let's ask ourselves for a minute. What's a fortress and what is a bondage? It's the same thing, basically. It's something that binds you in your spirit, in your soul, in your flesh, that does not allow you to progress in your maturity towards all that God has for you. You can be a Christian and be bound in an area you may not even be aware of at this point. There's something between you and God that's there that keeps you from having his fullness in you. A good example would be the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, or 12, verses 7 through 10. Remember, he had, had received great uh, revelations of God. He had received many things that made him, if you want to, you could be very puffed up about. But he says, lest he be puffed up, a messenger was sent to him from Satan. And God allowed it. It was a thorn in his flesh so that he would not be puffed up. He would not be trying to be something he's not in front of other people. We'd have to be his real self. And he prayed to God three times, Father, take this from me. And God says, my grace, and the word means empowerment, is sufficient for you. Now, when that got into Paul's spirit and got within his soul, he realized, I can rejoice whenever anything comes against me, be it distresses, be it persecutions. It could be even if it's a migraine headache. I can take it and I can overcome it because when I'm weak, he is strong in me. He, when I get out of the way, he can finally move and do something. Anybody hear me? So Paul was a great example to us. This is why I guess he also said to us in uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. Because if you're practicing things while calling yourself a Christian that are not right, examine yourself. See where you're wrong. Get back on the right road. Be on the right track so that God can ultimately move in you and you'll have victory. We all understand that deception is the greatest tool of Satan. He first tripped up man in the garden, and he's been tripping up men and women ever since. Amen? Yeah. He comes and he tells you a half-truth, and then he tries to fill you up with all kinds of false doctrines, and he just comes in when the least you're expecting it and you're prepared for it. Perhaps we weren't watching. And he was able to come in, as it says about the strong man, breaks into a house, and he comes in and he binds us up. But it could even be something, folks, let's understand this and be aware of it. It could even be something in you that's a bondage or a fortress holding you back from all that God has for you that you really like and you don't want to give up. For me as a kid, it was sweets. I wouldn't eat one piece of pie for dessert. I had to have two. 
But you see, God wants us whole. We'll never make it there unless we're fixed here. And so He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be one, clean, pure in His sight. He has declared that already over us, but sometimes we don't know that yet. In this passage that Paul wrote and we just read, we see here that we have divine spiritual weapons. And what we're supposed to do with that is to destroy fortresses or bondages. Now, I'll put the emphasis upon we are supposed to destroy fortresses and bondages with the help of God, but we are. And he goes on and he says that we're to fight uh, against that anything that tries to control or overrule us. Therefore, we are to destroy any speculation. You know what speculation is? You think you know something. You're sort of guessing about something. You don't have any facts, but you're pretty sure of something. It's a speculation. We're supposed to come in and destroy all speculations, perhaps even your imagination, because our imaginations can be very vivid. But they can also be not God. And not only that, but we are not in to even entertain anything against our not being changed and not being set free. We're to destroy everything that raises up against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive and make it obedient to God. Now, all of us have probably experienced something in our lives some event, something, some person, whatever in our lives that has scarred us and has left a mark on us. Too often we've taken that thing and we've chosen to suppress it deep down within us because we can't stand the pain. The memory of it is even hurtful. Then one day you're just driving your car to work. Or you bump into someone who hurt you before in the grocery store. And immediately, immediately, the whole scene that happened to you before becomes instant once again. And you relive it all over again with all of the sounds of all the hurt or all the words that were said. And this thing that is in you is still there. And tears come to your eyes. You, you don't want to talk about this. You don't want to hear about this. You just want to, just, and you push it down even farther this time in the recesses of your being because it's too painful to bring to the light. So we never get over it. We never get delivered. We never get set free. And we never get healed. And at that moment, Satan comes to you again. And he tries to tell you, you deserve what happened to you. And then he says, you'll never be set free. I've got you. What am I trying to talk about? What am I trying to get you to see? Let me uh, give you an example of my own life, if I can if you'll allow me to. 
I was a six-year-old, very impressionable young boy. And I had a cousin um, who lived about 100 yards from where I lived. And we would get together often and play and everything. He was 12 years old. He was, he was my idol at the time. You know, I, this guy seems to just be able to among us kids to do anything. And he loved to tell ghost stories. And so <clears throat> one night, he wanted to tell ghost stories to me again. And we're sitting there on the ground, and he's just grinding away at his ghost stories. But he had already prearranged. I was set up for a friend of his to jump out of the bush with a sheet on. When I saw that, I was, in, I was impregnated with terror and fear. I set a world's 100-yard dash that they still don't recognize, but I did. And I ran through two walls that shouldn't have been there, but they were, to get home to my daddy. But that wasn't the worst of it. From that point on, I had this great, great fear of the dark. And I mean, it was a fear of the dark. It was so bad for me that it carried over into fear of other things. But if I was playing outside and had to go to the bathroom and had to go in a house in broad daylight... I did it with terror, cautiously looking in each room all about as I went on my way. It's a wonder I didn't wet my pants. I took so long. I would sleep at night in my bed with my back to the wall, always facing the door. This thing had me. It had me, folks. Such fear I had never known in my life. And I didn't ask for it. I didn't expect it. I didn't go seeking it. And bam, there it was. The problem was, as a child, and this is true of all of us, even adults, I didn't have anybody I could talk to. Because, you know, when you tell somebody something like that, and you're 17, 18 years old, they just laugh at you. They put you down. And the shame I would feel as people begin to find out, and I kept denying it, but they said, no, you are. We've seen it in you. It was governing, keeping, and ruling my life during this time. And it did until the day that I grew up finally got to know the Lord better and understand His authority in me, and now it's gone. But you see, what happened to me was something that can happen to any one of us, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a fear of the dark. It could be almost anything. And it becomes a fortress in us, a, a bondage that tends to keep us down, keep us away from what God wants in our lives. Often, um, you know... Our minds are a clean slate. We're born with a, a whiteboard, if you want to call it that. And then things begin to be printed on it. Pictures get established on it. And as we go through life, we experience things, we never forget them. You know, you know science tells us we never forget anything we've ever heard or said or anything else. 
even at my age years ago? Even though we suppress it and push it down back deep, these things can be debilitating. They can keep you from the fullness of God in your life. Some people suffer for years and years. It keeps us from walking in the truth of God and being free. Jesus speaks in reference to that in Luke chapter 11, verses 21 and 22. He said this, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away from him all of his armor on which he relied and distributes his plunder. But you see, when this happened to me, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have any armor. I wasn't ready for this. And one fateful night, it took me. You know, oftentimes we get attacked when we're fully grown. You already are with Christ, but somewhere you've let your guard down. The enemy has come, and you agreed with that thought or that thing that happened to you, that event, and it now has left a deep, deep impression on you. Now, what exactly am I talking about? Understand this, church. You are deceiving yourself. If you think that when you be, be, get to be that new man and you put on that new man, that you no longer are tempted because of offenses to you. To the day you die, the devil's still going to be there trying to put something on you. You have to rise up and come to the place as we were singing this morning. We come to the place where we finally get to the point we say, Fear? Is that you again? Get out of here. I don't need you. You are not part of me. You are not part of the Jesus I believe in. I have victory over you, so get out of here. But until you get there, it's a struggle. There's generally three ways that this thing tries to come upon us or affect us. Your body, your mind, and your spirit. One of the big problems that we face as individuals is that we rarely ever really know ourselves. Who we really are. We're unconscious of them, so to speak. But others see them about us. They even tell us what they see about us. And we don't want to receive it. Oh, I'm not critical. Who are you talking to? But I just, I said I'm not critical. I'm not. Let me give you a list of some things that are part of what we suffer. So you'll have an idea better what I'm speaking about. Let's look at the flesh for a moment. 
Gluttony can be one of those things. You don't start out to be that way. But as time goes along, I had a mother that said if you didn't eat three square meals a day, you were going to die. So hungry or not, I ate three square meals a day. Add to that the little snacks I had in between and the extra piece of cake I stole after dinner. What happens? It's okay, I guess, when I was a child because I played so much and and everything so hard, I, I would burn some of those calories off. But as I got older, I could see I had a problem. There was a bondage in my life I didn't seem to be able to overcome for a while. Something else is immorality. You get involved and you know it's wrong. You shouldn't. But every time you try to resist, it overcomes you yet again. Impurity. Idolatry. There's so many things in this world today we make idols of. Cell phones. You can't ever put them down. You take them to the bathroom, hang it close to the shower. You take it into business meetings. You take it wherever you go. You've got to have that cell phone or you die. Television programs. Sports nuts. There's all kinds of bondages there that we make idols of. Sorcery. Strife. Outburst of anger. Now, I know nobody here has ever had an outburst of anger, but I have. And then you wonder, how in the world am I going to take that word back? Someone taught me a very valuable lesson. He said, look, think about it this way. When you say something, it's like putting leaves on somebody's front door porch. And then the wind blows and they scatter. He says, go and gather now what you said. And it comes up so fast and furious within you, you don't even think about it. You, you're, you speak before your brain engages, and you say these things, and they're hurtful. We don't get an outburst of praise. It's an outburst of anger. Disputes. I know you all don't have that. Dissensions. Factions. Carousing, having no control over your eyes. In our mind, we have terrible thoughts of guilt and shame. It's devastating as a child. I know I was there. Because you either said something and you shouldn't have, or you didn't say something and you should have, or you've done something. You get the picture. It's lies. This I know about you. We've all told at least one lie. Come on. It's betrayals. It's relationship breakdowns. You know how it is when you've been a friend with somebody for years and something happens between you two and you part. It's not pretty. 
It has a lingering thing that follows after it until you deal with it. There's disappointments. We tend to judge other people before we even know them. We exaggerate the truth. Yes, we tell the truth, but then we make it even bigger and better than it actually was so we might be impressive before people. Oh, come on, church. Don't be so sanctified. We have unrepented of sins in our lives. We have unresolved conflicts. We live under someone else's expectations of us. Oh, nobody's, nobody here has got that problem, I know. Or maybe I don't. And in your spirit, in our spirit there can be pride. You can always tell a proudful person. How? Well, first of all, they'll tell you. They won't tell you they're proud, but the way they talk. The way they act, they are totally unteachable. They've been there and done that. They know this, and no one can tell me any different. They're proud. They forget that was the first sin in Satan that caused everything a problem. Jealousy. Ever been jealous of anybody else's car or home or job or anything else? What about uh, fault finding? You're not depressed, but you're clinically depressed, which means you're having real problems. What about um, emotional scars? What about insecurities? You see, we've never learned how to deal with our own self-righteousness. With our own self-righteousness. So, our spiritual life is always wanting. Our spiritual life is not what it ought to be and, and God called it to be in us. You may be unconscious of them, I'm sure, perhaps. But that just simply means that the root of who you are continues to go forward unchanged and unmoved. So we end up doing what? We wear a mask before God, before ourselves, and before other people. We put on that Cheshire cat grin, sparkle teeth, and we act like we are the king of the world and nothing's wrong with us at all. But God sees. And other people can tell. The only person we're really deceiving is ourselves. Now here's the problem. If people know, they're going to belittle you. They're going to put shame on you. And what that does, if you've done something in your past and you hope to God no one ever finds out what that means is you are manipulative. Or should I say, Satan can now manipulate you. 
you want to run for president of the United States, but you have this terrible past, so you don't dare do it. They might know you and expose you. The enemy controls you. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Let's talk for a minute on how we can get out of this. Because that's the best part. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, from verse 1, Paul has been talking about that we are, we are, not will be, not shall be, or should be, but that we are the temple of God. We are a temple of God. So he says in verse 7, verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, what promises? God says, don't get around the unclean. Don't deal with the unclean. Don't have anything to do with the unclean. Come out from among them, and I shall receive you. In other words, we've got to do something before God says, I will receive you. So Paul continues on here, and he says, Therefore, having these promises that God said he would be with us if we will do that, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, notice what Paul said there. He included himself. Let us. Why is that? Because at one point in his life, at least, Paul considered himself the chiefest of sinners. He had persecuted the church. He'd gone into houses. He'd gone into cities. He had drugged Christians back to authorities. And some of them were even beaten and then some of them were actually even killed. That was on Paul's heart. It was a stain that only God could remove. But here's Paul saying, let us cleanse ourselves. Here we are. We're cooperating with God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and the spirit. That perfect love, mature love, might come forth as we reverence God. This is also told us over in 1 John chapter 3. Listen to what the Apostle John had to say concerning this. He said, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him, in him, purifies himself just as also he is pure. We've been commanded. We've been told. We've been given instructions here by the word of God that this is what we need to do. We need to recognize something's not right with me and I'm going to get it fixed by the power of God. 
Everybody knows that you don't just... Uh, It's interesting that we used to sing songs about the devil's under my feet and we can do this and do that. Look in the book of Jude, verse 9. It says that Satan and the archangel Michael were arguing, perhaps even wrestling over the body of Moses. And the archangel wouldn't even do anything, but he simply said, the Lord rebuke you. The archangel understood Satan has power. He is a powerful being. He's not necessarily under your feet. Beware. Be awake. But say to him, the Lord rebuke you. We need to understand that we have that authority. We have that power. We have that in us that we can do this and be free of those things that have been, that have been just completely ruined our lives up to this point. We find this written in 1 Corinthians 3.17. He says, If any man destroys the temple of God, now do you do that? By allowing these things to stay in you. God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. So we should be earnestly seeking and desiring a wholeness of cleansing in Jesus Christ. He not only took away our sins, but he left that stain within us that you and I with him might deal with it. One thing let me suggest to you that you can do. Go to God in your prayer and fasting this last week we're in. And say, God, reveal to me what's holding me back. What's keeping me from being free? What is holding me that I'm afraid of that if people knew, I would be just completely shamed? And let him tell you. Don't be afraid of God. He's there and he loves you. He will tell you. Continue to pray and fast believing that he is more than able to do this. And so are you. I'd say this. In James 5.16, it says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. What? Is that telling me I have to go to somebody and tell them all this story I've just told you? It'd be shameful. They think so little of me anymore. Listen, church. As long as not is not brought to the light, Satan has power over you. But once it comes to the light, and perhaps everybody knows, you know about me. Satan cannot come against you anymore because it's exposed. He has no power. Now I'm not saying you have to get up here in front of the church and say, I want to let you know, folks, I did this and this. No. You may have a dear friend that trusts you and you trust them and you can perhaps talk to them. Or maybe a person in the church that's someone, a special person you could talk to. You don't have to tell them all the gory details. You just have to say, I've got this problem of being fearful of the dark. And together, together, the power is multiplied and the 
two of you and deal with that issue. Because once it's in the light, there's no power left in Satan. That's what John's trying to get across to us here. He wants us to understand this. He wants us to do this. We know in 1 Corinthians 5.16 excuse me 2 Corinthians 10.3-5 which we've already discussed that we have these weapons you may not be aware of them yet but they're weapons divine weapons you just don't throw darts at them you don't get to the place that you try to take a baseball bat or a gun and shoot them. Tradition tells us, I don't know how true it is, that uh, Lucifer was asleep on his cot one night and he heard a noise. And he woke up and sat on the side of his cot and there was Satan standing right in front of him in his room. And he said, oh, it's just you and turned around and went back to sleep. Satan cannot touch his anointed. And that's where we need to be. Because we are anointed by the Spirit of God. There's nothing we can't do that God gives us to do. I would say to you, know yourself. Really begin to look inside of yourself. And with God's power, call it out. Perhaps one other thing we could do. Proverbs 4.23 Keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it is the issues of life. You see, God doesn't want you the way you are. And I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for me. We had to go through such a thing as that that would take hold of our lives and govern everything we do for years. But today I'm proclaiming liberty to you. We're going to bring it to the light. Every song we say had to do with laying aside the fear. God is bigger, better, stronger, mightier than that. And he dwells right here in you and me. Today is the day that we need to do this. Today is the day when we let God have his way in us. And the devil's out of here once and for all. Is anybody in agreement? Amen. Go with me to God with in prayer. Father, you send forth your word to accomplish something. And Lord, it never fails to do what you give it to do. It never returns to you void but it does exactly for what it was sent to accomplish. Today, O oh God, you gave me a word that went so well with the worship we sang. There's just oneness here, Father, oneness. And I pray in the name of Jesus that today victory is claimed here. Victory. Victory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. 
We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.